Okay, well, uh, while Emmanuel is sorting out his microphone with Jess, um, I'm going to interview Anya. Well, we're going to interview them both together. Um, but first things first is tell us your name, a little bit about you, what course you do, um, how long you've been at Sale, and so What is your favourite thing about, what's your favourite restaurant in Norwich as well? So just throw a spicy one in there. You guys didn't know that question was coming. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, my name is Anya. I'm a final. I'm going into my final year at UEA, and I'm studying international relations and politics. Um, I'm worship and prayer, part of worship and prayer um, in the CU. So I coordinate that. Um, my favourite. I would say the Thai restaurant by by the roundabout just before you get to the city. I forgot where that, that is. Close to the bus station. Oh, the one on the end of St. Stephen's. Uh, yes. 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 I don't know what the Thai place is called, but yes. I remember first year, my accommodation mate, um, we, uh, we went there and we had a good curry and it was great. So it was great, yeah. Fantastic. And uh, I've been here for nearly four years. Yeah, I was just thinking about that as I was sitting down. I was like, oh my goodness, this, it has gone by so quick. I remember the first time that I came here with my mum and my stepdad, and it so happened that it was a bring and share as well. And I remember just praying about, you know, oh, this, I, this is what I need in the church. And I came here on a bring and share Sunday, and a student Sunday, I think it was. Yeah, and I knew that this was my church. Yeah. Fantastic. And Emmanuel, you are? I'm Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a third year economic student. Um, um, how, how long have you been at Servants and what's your favourite restaurant in Norwich? Um, so I've been at Servants since the end of my first year. Um, so that was around. Um, and my favourite restaurant. I haven't been to too many, like, um, kind of. Um, what they call like individual restaurants. I've been to quite a few chains. So we have a, we have a five, we haven't got five guys. I'm from Suffolk. We've got five guys there. So I'm I'm very happy to five guys here. I can get my my milkshakes and my everything. So I'll, I'll go with that. Five guys, great. And just to prove again that Norfolk and Norwich is better than Suffolk. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> okay, so uh, you're at UEA. Thanks for telling us. Um, and you both are part of CU. But for all of you guys out there that may not know what CU is, someone tell us what exactly is the CU? Because there's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Someone give us a brief explanation of what CU is. Um, so the CU is stands for Christian Union, and it's just basically um, a group of Christian students on campus who just want to see um, Jesus in the name known on campus. Really, we want to give every student a chance to hear and respond to the the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's a passion of ours, and yeah, we try and have a great community um, within ourselves, and just, yeah, be a light on campus for everyone else. Fantastic, fantastic, that's great. And uh, for you guys, how has CU grown you and challenged you in your faith, like, while you guys have been here? In my faith, it definitely made me realise that, um, like when it comes to sharing the gospel or, you know, the end result is to hope that someone gets saved. Like you're not the be all and the end result, God is. And, you know, he can do something from the smallest thing. 
and he can touch someone's heart in the smallest ways and you don't need the most elaborate way to do so. So I think he's definitely grown my faith in the fact that just through the smallest conversations, just by your presence in someone's life, just by just like the littlest seed, God can do so much. And so, yeah, that's given me faith in the fact that like, I don't, I'm just a vessel. I don't really need to do much. I just need to be obedient to the Lord and whatever he tells, like wherever he wants me to be. And yeah, I don't need to be scared about what it is that I need to do. And will this person um, you know, be saved or will they get to know the Lord if I don't do this, this and this? I just need to give it to the Lord. And yeah, he makes a way. Mm, great. Yeah, um, after you, how has uh, CU challenged you? Yeah, um, similarly to this, uh, I think it's a lot of the time, especially the world before CU, I was very, um, I always looked up at the results, like, oh, is this person going to church? Like, how, what am I saying? How is that affecting this person? I think um, being a member of CU, because the university is so big, you have conversations with people who you may never speak to again, um, and just trusting that. No, God's gonna yeah, continue to speak to, to these people. We're gonna continue to hopefully have conversations with other Christians across the campus and even going out of communion. Yeah, I think um, just really being obedient to God and it's quite weird having conversations with just complete strangers about about your faith and what you believe. But you know, um, I think there have been some people who have been affected. And just yeah, hopefully there's more to come. So yeah, just think that'd be brilliant as well. Amen. And uh, you said that like. The, the CU is passionate about making sure everyone on campus gets the chance to hear the gospel. Um, and you said that obviously campus is a big campus, there's lots of students. But what kind of ways do the CU uh, get out there and reach like students around? Like, what, what kind of things do you do um, to reach the students of UEA? Yeah, um, so we have a lot of different um, evangelistic events. We do we actually have um, two evangelism coordinators, one for large events and one for small events. Um, and for the most part, we have um, we do a thing called watering. Um, so we go to the LCR club nights and we just give our water to students coming out from there. Um, try and have conversations where you can. Obviously, if someone's a bit drunk, maybe they'll have a conversation. Maybe they do. Maybe they want to have a conversation even more. Um, that's one of the biggest things we do. We um, at the end of last year we had an evangelistic stand. So that's our library during exam season. Um, we just had a bit of a big board that kind of had a question on about Christianity, and. Um, We've given out uh, bags, <coughs> bags to help with them um, extract exam stress. They had a Bible verse on. We had like a lot of different conversations there as well. We do a thing called um, dial a donut. So because of the, the rules that are in place at universities, we can't go um, and explicitly just talk to people about our, our faith. They're kind of a lot of time to approach us. So we had a thing where um, we'd give someone a donut if they asked us a question about Christianity. I don't know if that's cheating, but. <laughs> so we've done that quite a few times. Hopefully, we can continue to do that even more this year because it was um, it was quite it was quite fruitful actually. And um, yes, we have um, a thing called Events Week as well, where we um, do all different sort of events in the campus. We have lunch bars and things like that where we can try and reach out to more students. And hopefully, um, if if it's God's will, we're going to mark here this year on campus. We have a big presence on campus, um, just so people can see us and we can be yeah alive on campus as well. I need to get that number for Dial Donut. We've got lots of questions. Um, but great, that's so great that the CU is doing so much um, for campus and for reaching out. Um, but what about you guys in general? Because you're not just average CU goers. You're a, you're a bit more, aren't you? What, what do you? What do you guys do we're at just CU? We're just serving, guys. We're just serving. 
you're on committee, aren't you? Yeah. So what do you guys do on committee um, and like, what are your roles? Um, so I am the impact group coordinator. Um, so impact groups are just kind of like sp small um, community groups that we have for, for students to come and you know, read through the Bible together, to talk about the things that go into during the week and to invite their friends to as well, just a kind of little space they can um, feel welcome at. Because obviously CU is quite big as well, so to have a little group that you can kind of feed into and yeah, a welcoming place to bring your friends to as well, obviously, so just hopefully we can get them um, you know, to be to do that as well. And, and I'm a coordinator for that, so I'm just trying to help the leaders out I'm trying to support them where I can, trying to um, get the sign-up forms or anything. So, yeah, that's my role in a nutshell. Exciting. And for you, Anya, what do you do? Yeah, so worship and prayer coordinator. So, essentially, that just means um, I'm making sure that events coming in place or, like, yeah, anything revolving worship, prayer, and the tech side of things. So, we have teams. We have separate teams for that where people are helping out in those areas. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Getting stuck into a lot of things there. Um, how, as a, a church, can we support you guys in your roles on committee? What's the best thing that we can do for you guys as a church? Yeah. Please, please pray. Please pray for us. Um, we need wisdom, guidance, and protection. Um, like uh, Manny was saying, um, you know, we have restrictions um, by the um, student union. And so we're just worried that there might be more limitations and restrictions as we go along. So we need prayer and, yeah, we need protection for that and just wisdom in what, you know, being knowledgeable about um, the laws in place and just making sure that we can still reach out to people, share the gospel um, without, you know, those obstacles. And uh, we would like your wisdom as well if... If you have been a student before, um, if you've had experience um, within the Christian Union, anything like that, please, you know, give us some some of your wisdom. Or if there's anyone that we can contact that you know and we can get guidance from, we would really appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, that would be the greatest form of support. Fantastic. And uh, just a, a final few points, um, final questions. But what is the most encouraging thing that you've seen uh, happen in CU, either in your own life or just for like, um, yeah, just through the CU, what's the most encouraging thing that you think you've seen? Um, so for me, I'd say in my own life, um, obviously because first year was online, it was um, COVID, so I didn't get a chance to meet a lot of people. And I think CU um, going into the end of the first year and into the second year, really gave me an idea of what it meant to be um, a Christian as a student as well. Um, I think before university, I had an idea that I couldn't necessarily really live for Jesus and be a student as well amongst all these people who um, seemed so far away from the ideals that I had. Um, and the older students and, you know, um, just being in a church as well, which really helped me understand what it meant to be a student and be a believer and follower of Christ as well. Um, so my personal life, I say that's the most um, impactful thing I've seen. Um, and for the CU in general, I think there have been so many great testimonies that have come out of last year by people who just um, turned their lives to Jesus. So um, just hearing about all of those, it's been, it's been so encouraging and just amazing to hear about. So yeah, that'd be cool for me. Amen. That's great. That's great. And the last two questions, and one of these questions are for you guys, so get listening. 
which is, uh, what piece of advice would you give to us as a congregation on how best to support students or um, how best to yeah, love and look after the students in our church? Um, what, what's your advice for us? Um, I think just to be intentional. I know that we, you know, you guys have busy lives, and you know when you have children, and when you have to, you know, leave church um, straight away to do other things, it, it can be difficult. But I think just having intentionality with the students, because at the end of the day, we're just people. We're not just students. You know, we want to be a part of the church. We want to be a part of this community and serving. I think it's just kind of breaking down that barrier of like there's difference between us and I think I would also say that to students vice versa you know be intentional with the church be intentional in getting to know the families and the people there but yeah but with the church I think yeah just inviting people around your home when you can um, doesn't matter what your house looks like you know or if you know oh it's a mess I don't want to invite anyone like we don't care like it's, it's like, we don't mind that we just want to be a part of family of a family at the end of the day because you know if we've moved out from our home if we've moved to a different country you know we would be feeling alone we don't know who to trust who to rely on so we just want to be a part of a family really at the end of the day so yeah just intentionality really yeah. what would you say Emmanuel what's the advice you'd give to the, to the church. Yeah, to the church. Um, yeah, I think just the same to us, just um, a lot of prayer and support. I think, especially coming so far from home for a lot of students, and they are just looking for people to talk to, people to um, invest in them. And obviously, yeah, as, as Andy said, um, and they understand that everyone here is quite busy, but yeah, just to look to look for students, look out for them, make sure that you know, you know they feel well, they are welcome here, and um, yeah, so they can build a home here as well. Fantastic. And last one is for students out there. What is the piece of advice you give to students um, in trying to settle into a church, either this one or another one that they're going to try out? What's the, yeah, what's the piece of advice you give to them? First of all, pray. Keep praying to the Lord. Where does he want you to go? Um, it's not about what the music sounds like or whether you like how the church somewhat operates. If the Lord wants you to go somewhere and he wants you to be obedient to that place, whether that's for you to serve in that church, then go that way. But um, I think fundamentally, having a church that's biblically sound, of course, and you know, there's a strong community, there's intentionality and fellowship, and you know, in studying the Bible together, in discipleship, and just having like a, a range of people, in, I guess, different ages, so you can get wisdom from those who are older than you and wiser. So you know. Our deacons and deaconesses, you know, we have that structure in place. So you have people who you can go to. Um, so yeah, having a, a biblically solid church, I guess, going to that, yeah. Fantastic. And what would you say? Um, I think for me, obviously, as the year goes on and you have more exams and more things going on, it can be easier to kind of just, oh, I'll go next Sunday, or I'll miss it this week. I think just really be intentional about making sure you're going to church every week. I, I think it's um, really important to keep on your heart, um, yeah, how great it is to be in a community of, of believers. And as Anya said, be amongst people who are older than you, who can give you wisdom, and who have been through university as well before, so can give you advice about what to do when times do get difficult. So I think, yeah, just be intentional about trying to be here every week if you can be here. 
Wonderful. Uh, and w one more thing. Um, yeah, be more dependent in the church than the Christian union or Christian societies if you go to them. Because at the end of the day, like, you need to be rooted in a church first. And it may, you might feel intimidated, especially as you're transitioning, as we, we all have transitioned from, you know, online to, you know, going face to face. And like Emmanuel was saying, you know, oh, I'll just go next Sunday. Um, but I'll have CU or I'll have a Christian society to go to and we'll listen to a talk and we'll pray together. But, you know, it's important that we are part of a church, first and foremost. So if you find that first, everything else follow pursuit afterwards. Fantastic, wonderful. Should we give them a round of applause? Do they deserve it? They do. Wonderful, thanks so much guys. Do you want to just prickly stay, prickly, quickly stay here and we'll pray for them? Um, because it's crazy time and it's just been lovely to hear about everything you do and just, anyway, let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you so much um, for your goodness and grace. Thank you so much that there's such an incredible Christian presence on campus, Lord. That is all by your grace. And it's amazing to see how that's grown, even just from my time being at uni. That wasn't even that long ago. And um, Lord, you are really um, in it. And just thank you just so much for um, the opportunity to minister to students, Lord God. Thank you for the rich family that you have given us, Lord God. And Help us to realize how much we need every single part of that family, Lord. Um, Lord, the students, the, the, um, the kind of in-betweens and just um, the, the weird aunties and uncles and the grandmas, grandpas, like grandkids, Lord. We just need everyone, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to better support one another, Lord, and um, to, to just show us how to disciple one another, Lord, and to just keep all of our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, we just want to pray, especially for Anya and Emmanuel as they are on the CU committee, Lord. You know, it could be a full-time job, and yet they are in full-time studies, Lord. So give them the wisdom and the grace they need um, to juggle both those things, Lord. Um, to remember that you've put them there to study, Lord, but you have given them a heart for mission, Lord. And just grow that heart, Lord, and show them that it's all done by your spirit. And Lord, that they are just willing vessels with Jesus. Please bless them. Just multiply the, the, the fruit of their hands, Lord God. And I pray that you, Lord, that you would teach us how to support them best. Show us how we can give them wisdom and show us how we can and learn from them too, Lord Jesus. Um, in your precious name, amen. Amen. Go okay, now. <laughs> Sorry. Just thank you so much for. Just to see you and the presence that it has, Lord. Thank you that you are adding uh, students to the CU weekly, daily, Lord, um, who want to give their lives to you, Father God. And we just pray for them, just with the restrictions that they may face, um, Lord, in the coming weeks and months. Um, yeah, Father God, just as, as persecution does increase, Lord, for us, I pray that... Father God, that you would just make a way when there doesn't seem a way, Lord. We pray that you would help them to be wise um, with the way that they, they minister and that they reach out and that they evangelize to the people on campus, Lord. Um, yeah, we really pray, Lord, that you would just go before them in every event that they do, Lord. Um, Father God, we just pray for, yeah, we just pray for all the students here today, Lord. Um, Father God, we pray that you would help lead them um, by your spirit to a church where you want them to be, Lord. Whether it is this one or another one, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't just go where 
the flashy lights are, Lord, but as Andrew was saying, where the Spirit leads and where you want them to grow, Father God. Um, we really do pray for that, Lord. We just thank you that you want to change the hearts of students, Lord, to make them more like you. And we pray, Lord, that as a congregation that we will be able to support and disciple uh, these students. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't see them as students and us as a congregation, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ's church. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be reminded of that first and foremost. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you. We, now let's go for a round of applause. Come on. Uh, now Adam is going to come and give us uh, what he's learned from the word of the Lord. Uh, let's just quickly pray for him. We're just praying all over. But Lord, we just pray for Adam. Thank you so much for what he has prepared and what you've laid on his heart this week, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, help us to listen and engage um, and speak through him now. In Jesus' name, amen. try and keep it to 15 minutes, but it probably won't be 15 minutes in all honesty. Um, if you turn with me to Luke chapter 9, we're going to start our message um, in that chapter this morning, and we're going to be reading from verse 57 down to verse 62. So I'm going to read those verses. And then uh, we'll get into it. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm just going to pray one more time. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time together. Thank you that you are our Father. You are our Lord and Saviour. We thank you that you are a loving God, that you are merciful and gracious. And that you want us to know the truth. You want your truth to be proclaimed. So I pray that as we go through this message this morning, Lord, that your words will be spoken. And that you will change people's lives. That people maybe will grow for the first time in a long time, Lord. 
people may come to know you today for the first time. So Lord, I just pray now for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, in this um, little section of scripture, Jesus is um, speaking to people who, with their mouths, are proclaiming that they want to follow him. But in their hearts, they are far from that reality. Jesus says to them, very bluntly and very directly in this section, follow me. You have someone there saying that they want to go and bury uh, their father. You have another one that says that they want to go and say goodbye to those in their household. But Jesus says to them, no, you follow me. Now in this very direct statement that Jesus makes, he's giving us the um, definition of what it means to be a disciple, of what it means to walk in discipleship or to live in a culture of discipleship. And very simply, discipleship is following Jesus when he says there, follow me. Now the word, the Greek word for follow there is this idea of someone going out before you into a place and showing you how to live or how to be and he beckons you or he or she beckons you to come and do the same thing. A good example of this type of following occurred on Christmas Day in 1914 on the Western Front in World War I when on Christmas morning some German soldiers got out of their trenches and walked across no man's land to the British trenches and they offered the British soldiers Christmas cards and cigarettes. And initially the British soldiers thought it was a trick, that somehow they were tricking them to come out and that then they'd be killed. But after a while the British soldiers realized that no, this, these German soldiers are being genuine here and they got up out of their trenches and they followed what the German soldiers were doing. And they had a little party on no man's land and they even played a football match which I think the Germans won on penalties. <laughs> but this is what Jesus does. Jesus goes out before us into... Uh, he goes out into no man's land, and he shows us how to live life, how to be, and we're called to follow that. So what is it that we need to do to follow Jesus? Well, again, I just want to turn to Mark chapter 1 and read a section of Scripture there that gives us a very good summary of what we are called to do as Christians to follow Jesus. And I'm starting in verse 32 in Mark chapter 1. It says, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, 
that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. So in this section of scripture, Jesus shows us, I think, two priorities of his ministry and two priorities for us when we are called to follow him. The first is that we're called to serve people in love. You see that when Jesus is healing people here of sicknesses and he's casting out demons. Then also his second priority is to preach, to teach people the word of God, to teach people about the kingdom of God, to teach people the truth. And we are called, brothers and sisters, to do the same thing. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to serve people in love and we have to tell people the truth. We have to speak the truth, explain the gospel, proclaim it. They are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't just have service in love and no preaching. And you can't just have preaching without any service in love. This is what we're called to do. Now every generation of believers down the history of the uh, church age has had to wrestle with how they are to follow Jesus in this calling to serve people in love and to preach the truth but within their cultural context. Every generation has had to do it and no generation has got away with not doing it. So what is the culture that we live in today? Well, the culture I believe that we live in is one of cancelling people. Not allowing people to speak. Not allowing debate. Not allowing people to argue even. Or offend people. It's apt that we're talking on Student Sunday today because I would say the place where you have seen this change or this cultural shift the most is in university campuses. If you go back over hundreds of years of the history of universities, they've always been places where people of different cultures, different backgrounds, different uh, creeds and confessions have come together and they debate. They thrash out the truth. And often in this environment, the real truth comes out. The truth of humanity, being sinful, and the truth of Jesus. And that's why many people can say that they were saved at university, because that's what the culture was like. It's not so now, though. Now on university campuses, you can't disagree with people. You can't offend people. You can't tell people about Jesus. You're not allowed to go up to people and preach. The people who are trying to proclaim or to push this culture think it's progression, but it is regression, brothers and sisters. If you look over the history of the world, every civilization that has had a positive impact upon humanity has had a culture of debate, where things have been wrestled through, where truth has been thought about. I mean, you see that in the book of Acts, when Paul goes to Athens and he debates with philosophers on Mars Hill. Now, the Greco-Roman culture has had a bad effect on our civilization, but it's also had a good effect 
on our civilization. This is the culture we live in. It's a culture of cancelling people. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to say anything. Just keep quiet. Just go with what's politically correct. So how has the church responded to this? Well, I would say the church has responded badly to this. The church has decided to lay aside preaching the truth, to lay aside serving people in love, and basically have decided to not offend anyone and to just be nice to people. And they think that if they do that, that people will come into the church and they'll eventually get saved. Well, what has been the fruit of that? I don't see any revival in the UK. And what I see is a church that's in regression, that's allowing error and heresy and false doctrine to come into it. And you see, brothers and sisters, we are blessed to be in a church that takes the Bible seriously. But we cannot stick our heads in the sand and think that we are not susceptible to these things. It is our church culture that is doing this. It is our nation that is being affected by this. The church is called to be a bearer of truth. If the church is not bearing truth, the nation declines, and that's what we're seeing. The UK is getting darker and darker, and it's our children that are being brought up in this nation. And you students in here as well, you can't stick your head in the sand and think that this is a campus a thousand miles away. It is that campus over the road as well. You see this same thing happening there. This is how I believe the church has responded to this cultural shift. So how are we to respond to this? How are we to respond to this response? Well, the first thing I would say that we need to do is we need to see what the actual problem is in the church today. We need to diagnose the problem. As a doctor, diagnosis is a very important part of my job. Patients come in, they tell me their symptoms, and I have to work through those symptoms and do some investigations and make a diagnosis of what the problem is. And we need to do the same with the church. What is the problem in the church that's led to this response? And to help us with that, I want to just read a verse from John 14, verse 6, which says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to focus on that word truth there. And the Greek word for truth there means that, uh, what Jesus is saying in this verse is that he is the absolute definition of what real objective truth is. Or another way you could say this is that he is saying he is the definition of reality. Now I want you to think about this in your chair. And I want to ask you this question. Do you really think that as people who are saved but still affected by sin, that we can um, best reflect this reality of what Jesus is saying. The answer is no. In our own strength, we cannot 
follow Jesus or reflect Jesus in this way, absolutely. But the problem is, is that the church has decided that it doesn't need God's definitions, it doesn't need God's ways, it doesn't need God's truths, and they are deciding what the way is for them to follow Christ. A bit like these guys in Mark chapter 1, or not Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 9, sorry. They wanted to say, okay, Lord, I will follow you, but let me do this thing. Let me do something. Let me decide what's right, and then I will follow you. They wanted to let go of what Jesus' rules were, what his definitions were, and do their own thing. The church in this kind of way is a bit like the people in the time of Judges. In Judges 21-25 it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And in Isaiah 53 verse 6, again another verse that speaks very clearly I think of the church's heart today. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. This is the heart of what the church has done in response to our culture. We've chosen our own way. Now, why is that wrong? If you speak to anyone in, out on the streets and you say, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do, they'll say, well, that's great, good on you. Crack on. But why is it wrong for us to choose our own way? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. The first reason is it's a sin issue. When the church has responded to the culture in the way that it has, it reminds me of someone in the beginning, a certain individual called Lucifer. Lucifer was, in the beginning, the greatest creation of God. He was the highest angel. But one day, in the beginning, he decided, you know what, I don't need to follow God. I don't need to follow his rules. I don't need to follow what he says. You know what? I am going to make myself God. I am going to choose my own way. And what happened? The father kicked Satan out of heaven. He came down to earth. He tempted Eve. And Adam gave in to that temptation. And sin came into the world. So listen, when we choose our own way... When we reject God and what he says, we are sinning. So the church, I believe, has sinned against its creator, its redeemer, and its saviour in choosing its own way in how it is going to follow Jesus. The second reason this is wrong is because it's a discipleship issue. Jesus says in Matthew 16 verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus here gives us more information about what it means to follow him. We have to deny ourselves. Well, that's not what the church is doing right now. The church is indulging in itself. And therefore, therefore by definition, the church has rejected what true discipleship is. And the third and final reason why this is wrong, brothers and sisters, is because 
it's an assimilation issue. What do I mean by that? Well, after the Second World War, the culture shifted from being a culture of self-sacrifice to a culture of self-indulgence. You had the uh, hippie movement in the 60s, I think. Um, but a lot of that was about self-indulgence, about hedonism, and slowly but surely over the years, that, that culture has infiltrated the church so that now, when you look at the church as a whole, it looks like that. It looks like a culture of self-satisfaction. It's about me. It's not about God. And so the church has been defined by the culture, but that should not be how it is. The church should define the culture. The church should have a positive influence on the culture. Jesus said this in John 17, verse 16. This is what he wants. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus calls us not to be defined by the culture. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Brothers and sisters, this is the disease that affects our church. This is the cancer that is spreading fast. Maybe you're in here this morning and you are sensing that conviction of the Spirit that this is where you are. That you're coming to church for yourself. Not for God, not to worship Him, but for yourself. That your relationships with other Christians is not about Jesus, it's about you. And it's about you being promoted, you having satisfaction, and not about what Jesus really wants. We need to humble ourselves. Brothers and sisters, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and think, is this me? Am I someone who has been defined by the culture around me? Am I rejecting discipleship? Am I sinning against Jesus? And in that humbling, we need to turn away from that. And we need to seek the treatment that I believe... God has for us this morning. The way that we are to claw back the church in this time. And I would say that it's very simple really. This book that I have here up on this stand, this word, this scripture that has been handed down the generations that people have died for to have in our language, we need to take hold of this scripture once more. We need to lay hold of it and allow this scripture to be the rudder of the church. Every ship needs a rudder. If a ship doesn't have a rudder, it goes off course, it gets lost, it might sink. But if you have that rudder and it's working, you can stay on course and go to the place that you're meant to go. And this is what we need. This is what the church in the UK needs. 
to lay hold of this word once more. And I'm going to suggest very briefly three ways to do that. And then we'll close. The first way that we are to lay hold of the scripture is to see its sufficiency. You know, I'm not young anymore. I'm 40 now. And um, I know that the church generally sees the Bible as not cool. What's cool in the church are certain pastors or certain programs or certain churches. But just simply having this word before us, reading it, studying it, hearing what God wants to say through it is not cool. But I want to um, share a verse or verses uh, from 2 Timothy with you, uh, chapter 3. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Brother, sister, you don't need anything else other than this word. You don't need to go to a certain church. You don't need to listen to a certain pastor. You don't need to go through certain programs to grow as a Christian. You need this word. It is sufficient for you. Sufficient for your growth. Sufficient to equip you for every good work. Let's lay hold of it. The second way that we lay hold of this word is realizing the priority of preaching or the priority of teaching the word and explaining it. Uh, in Romans 10:17, it says the following. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you see what that verse says there? It says that without the word of God, without people hearing the word of God, people will not have saving faith. This is the reason why we don't see revival. Because this word has been rejected by the majority of the church and because of that, people are not hearing the word of God and so therefore, saving faith doesn't come in people's hearts. This is not just Romans that speaks of this. This is Jesus' priority as well. Remember in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus had been up and he'd been healing people and curing people of their diseases and their demon possession and in the morning he went out to pray before the light came and people went to find him because they wanted him to go back and do the same thing again but he said no we must go on, why? because I need to preach the word of God so preaching was Jesus' priority and the third and final way, brothers and sisters, that we lay hold of this word in our generation is to make sure that our preaching and our teaching and our explaining of the gospel is centered upon Christ, is centered upon Jesus. There are too many churches, there are too many Christian conversations between believers that are about pet doctrines. You know what I mean? Eschatology. <coughs> Uh, I don't know, baptism, church government, communion, uh, the Holy Spirit. 
And what people forget is that all of that points to Jesus. Eschatology points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Baptism points to Jesus. Communion points to Jesus. Jesus says this in John 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Every word in this book points to Jesus and him alone. And we need to speak that to people. We need to speak the reality that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, came to the earth. Totally God, totally man. The perfect God-man, the Messiah, the promised prophet, the last Adam. That he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to serve and not be served. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He lived the perfect life for us to fulfill the law. That he went to the cross, and on the cross he took upon himself all of our sins, past, present, and future. He took the guilt, the shame, the wrath of God. He died the death that we deserved. He justly dealt with our sin. That's what we need to speak to people. That's what they need to hear. So brothers and sisters, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had been taken before the Jewish leaders and they were told to stop speaking about Jesus. A bit like what we're told today. Don't talk about Jesus. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I just want to hear something else that makes me feel good. And what did they do? They went back to their house and they prayed. And they said, Lord, give us the power of your spirit to preach your word. And that is what we need in our generation.